The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today, on the lab report, learn the difference between contemplation and pre-contemplation. Hmm, you're going to have to contemplate what you mean by that. Or are you going to pre-contemplate it? <laughs> you're going to pre-think it. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Again. Is this going to be one of those circular arguments about the pre-chicken and the chicken and the egg again? Just because it has the prefix pre doesn't mean it's the exact same mm. argument. Every time you hear pre, you think of the egg. Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? I'm doing Glad to hear so it. Well, I didn't even answer you. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Welcome to the lab report, I think. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to this podcast brought to you by Geneva Diagnostics, where we talk about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, and integrative therapeutics and the like. And as a side note, I'm doing well today. Oh, <laughs> Glad to hear it. That's nice. Well, if you're also doing well today and you're new to this podcast, welcome. Welcome and, to the family. And if you're old to this podcast, welcome to the family too. Are you, can you be old to things? You I never can. hear that phrase being used. No, it maybe, seems to only apply to new things, new maybe people. We should use it. So, but you should probably go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to this podcast, rate and review, leave us some stars. Yeah, you can do those things. You can mm -hmm. also email your feedback to podcast at gdx.net. That is our email address. Well, Today you were talking about contemplation and pre-contemplation. I was. What are we talking about? We were going to talk about a little thing called the trans-theoretical model. <laughs> or just stages of behavior change. Oh, uh, what? That doesn't sound very fun. It doesn't. I mean, it, it That sounds, was very dramatic. <laughs> it makes more sense. Trans-theoretical. That sounds really Across out there. That sounds like... Theories. I know that sounds systems model like string wow. theory out there, quarks right. and quantum physics. That's what that sounds like. We're really just talking about how to assess where your patient is as it relates to changing their behavior, which is kind of what we do here in functional medicine. When you think about it, right? Huh. So much of functional medicine is trying to get people to like stop what they're doing and do something else. Or to make a better choice, which is changing your behavior. Which is stopping what you're doing and doing something <laughs> else, right? Like okay. we're taking things out of people's diets. We're adding things that they probably, if they really enjoyed eating them, they'd be eating them already, right? That's a fair point. If you were, unless they weren't educated on the importance of eating them, I even think, with that though, they have like, to stop it and do something else. You're standing up for the five people out there that right. that didn't know broccoli was good. Yeah, that didn't know that's that, me, that's that, who that I am. fruits and vegetables are good for you, and exercise is good for you, and smoking is bad for you. You're, I stick that's up what for you're, the little you're, guy. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> okay, well. That straw man aside, <laughs> let's get back to actually the rest of the, the population that for some reason is struggling with their behavior and right. struggling with not necessarily struggling, but like trying to get to a better place, trying to make these t changes to their lifestyle to affect their health in a positive fashion. Because it's a process, right? It's not an on off switch. It's absolutely a process. And we'll go through the steps of behavior change or the stages of behavior change. And we'll see that even like part of the process is, is relapse. It's falling mm -hmm. back and, uh, you know, having problems in the, in the process. So that's all built into it. Yeah. And I think it's important for clinicians to understand these steps because oftentimes the biggest lament 
the physician's lament is, well, I laid out a treatment protocol and they didn't follow it. Compliance. What more can I do? Right. Patient's not compliant. But, oh, man. But you have to understand the stages of making a behavior change. And Why do you think we have to understand this? Why do we think this is important? Because it's important to meet your patient where they are and try to help them through the stages. So there are specific things you can do along each stage to encourage behavior change. Right. Because if you're just labeling somebody as like non-compliant, mm-hmm. then you're not helping them. Mm-hmm. You're not educating them. Mm-hmm. And you're not challenging where they're at in their own attempts to change their behavior. It's in a way blaming somebody who's trying to make a change, but for whatever reason is struggling. So rather than labeling somebody as just being non-compliant, let's try and get to the root cause of their non-compliance. I like it. And push them further, support them, try and get them to move through to the next stage. All right. Well, that makes perfect sense. So why don't we jump into the stages of behavior change or something you call the trans theoretical model? really dramatic. It is, in all the best ways. But, Michael, what's the first stage of behavior change? Uh, It's called pre-contemplation. Oh, hence the intro. Right, the Mm pre-thinking, which is what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Let's just go right ahead and think. Oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Got lost in my (laughs) pre-thinking. What's the first stage of pre-contemplation mean? Well, pre-contemplation, in my mind, is... uh, somebody who isn't even aware that the behavior that they're doing is something that needs changing. They haven't brought any thought to the table that like, Hey, this is a behavior that's probably not serving me. I would like to change this. Uh, haven't even weighed out the pros and cons of the situation. Never thought about it. Yeah. There you go. Nice and succinct, Patty. (laughs) So then what do you do about that in that stage? So there's a lot of things you can do. Conscious Raising conscious awareness of the behavior is essentially what you want to start with. You want to start with questioning that behavior and whether it's ever been considered that this might be something worth changing. Um, raising doubt is a big part of that. How? You can just start questioning, saying, hey, have you ever thought about how this might be impacting yourself? Have you ever thought about how this might be impacting your health or, the, or others? Uh, that sort of thing. So like in a very non-judgmental way, trying to get them to that place without you telling them you need to change this behavior. Right, because all you're trying to do is just create a little bit of awareness that the behavior is going, it could be something worth changing. Not even saying that they, that you're coming across as like nagging in a way. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that because then they're going to get defensive about the behavior and it's not going to go anywhere. But if you can subtly raise conscious awareness that some people, you know, you can even phrase it that way. Some mm-hmm. people might consider that this is a behavior that that they should consider changing in themselves. Have you ever have you ever thought that about your behavior? All right, so let's take this first stage and let's apply it to a clinical example. Great idea. Thanks. I'm full of good ideas. Well, let's say you have a patient that comes to you and we know it's important to move more. Movement is important and this person doesn't exercise. Where do you go with that? Uh, I'm going to start talking to them about A, whether they've considered exercising, Mm -hmm. you know, is this something that you've ever considered as there've been times in your life where you have exercised? Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed any sort of benefit in your life when you were exercising? Were you aware that, uh, you know, some studies indicate that exercise is really helpful for stress management? Um, You can start to point out all those things around exercising without telling them, Hey, you should exercise. Hey, you should be exercising. You can just 
essentially raise awareness by asking questions about their knowledge and their their understanding of how exercise impacts health. What if they have a very negative reaction to that and say, no, I've tried exercising. I hate it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, it's interesting because people who are in the pre-contemplation stage tend to underestimate the pros Mm -hmm. of a certain behavior and overestimate the cons of changing the behavior. So it makes them more resistant. So it's it's your job then just to continue to tout the benefits of that behavior. You have to try. Yeah, you have to try and educate, raise awareness, raise doubt that uh, that there's actually an issue with their ongoing behavior as it is. And if their reaction is such that it's such a negative uh, reaction to what you're suggesting, mm-hmm. then you can start with gradations, right? You can start with like really small changes because maybe what you're asking them to do or maybe with the discussion that you're having is too big. It's yeah. too big for where they're at right now. And so you need to talk you need to take a step back and say like, how can I get this person to make little changes. And, right? s- and some of that is words, right? So people hear the word exercise and they're very off-put. You can change some of the wording to even moving more, just movement, right? standing at your desk. And as we've learned on this podcast, even just a little bit of movement can make huge differences. And just getting the movement started will help it grow and as a feed-forward cycle, get more elaborate and then you know turn into hopefully what is more of a a vigorous uh, movement strategy. Yeah, so that pre-contemplation stage is where you're just really trying to meet the patient where they're at. All right, so if you're moving from pre-contemplation moving. into the st- into the second stage of behavior change, which is contemplation, yeah. how is this different? In contemplation, this is when the patient is actively accepting that they would like this behavior change to take place. So they, they've accepted, like, okay, exercise might actually be important. Yes. Or movement might be something I can do. Yes. So now they're into contemplation. They're, they're recognizing that, the, that something needs to change. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to change. It just means they're thinking about maybe I should change. And so the important thing about this step is like helping the patient to evaluate the pros and the cons of their behavior, right? Because they've come from this place of like overestimating the cons of changing the behavior and underestimating the pros. If you help them to even list out pros, cons, you can do like a pro pro con sheet, pro con balance sheet sort of thing. Um, Then this is going to help them start to overestimate the pros or not even overestimate, but like help move them along into going from like, I'm thinking about changing this behavior to like, okay, I'm going to change this behavior. So you're really just tipping the balance in favor, in favor of that change and letting them see the consequence of not changing. Yeah. Like if the the person is intending to start the healthy behavior in the foreseeable future, you want to help them uh, to get to the fact that that is a good decision to make. And so you're going to be supportive in that way and you're going to help them really evaluate the pros of changing the behavior. Okay, so I'm trying to parse out the difference between pre-contemplation and contemplation. Elvis Parsley. (laughs) So didn't we do some of this similar outlining the benefits in the pre-contemplation phase? Is is contemplation just the concept that, okay, now they're meeting you halfway? Yeah, essentially the, the... they have an equal balance between pros and cons or greater because previously they were resistant to change. They were think either thinking that there's no, there's no behavior that needs changing or there's behavior that may benefit from changing, but they're not going to do it. So now, now you've moved okay. into a situation where they're considering they're open to the option. And all you've done as a clinician and all, all, what they've done internally is raised doubt. 
Okay. Now they have more doubt about their behavior as it is and that it, it might need to change. Okay. I get it. Now, let's move this then into the third stage of behavior change or the trans-theoretical model. Okay, that's not the right button. Sure it is. No. I think it's you always the, the right button. button. You hit the wrong button. It's party time. Well, the third stage after pre-contemplation, then contemplation, now we're in stage three, which is actually preparation or planning. Oh, yeah. So this is where a lot of us, I think, start with our patients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to get really into the planning and not as much into like, well, if what do we do if they're pre-contemplation and contemplation? So planning is they're, they're well, like it sounds, they're planning on making this change. So what do you do as a clinician to help them? This is where you can talk about if you're doing a dietary change, you can support them with like your handouts. You can support them with your recipes. If you're talking about trying to get them moving more, maybe you have some exercise handouts or maybe you've got a workout routine that you would recommend. Maybe you've just got basic information on a sheet of like, or on your treatment plan of a prescription for movement, right? These are the tools that you help to provide. Okay. Well, what's in my mind is ordinarily if a patient comes in and you're handing them diets, you're handing them handouts, you're giving them an exercise plan, and they're not yet to this specific stage, it's falling on deaf ears and it's overwhelming to them and is just leading to further inability to accept this behavior change. So those prior steps are so important because I think this is what happens most days in most functional medicine offices. Yeah, this is why you're going to get poor compliance. If you're trying to get people from pre-contemplation or contemplation to action, you're going to, you're, it's a setup for failure. That's right. And so once you've got them to this planning or this preparation stage, now you can devise some strategies together, which are realistic, number one, and appropriate. Because again, if it's overwhelming, yeah, they're not going to buy in. Yeah, good. Great point. You know, in this planning stage, there's also, these days, a lot of really interesting phone apps or wearable devices that you can also use in this planning stage. Yeah, great point. Just setting them up with all the tools they need to be successful because right now they've finally bought in. Mm -hmm. They've bought in that this behavior change is good for them and they're wanting to do it. So you give them everything you got, all the tools. Yeah. Which then will bring us in to the next stage of behavior change, which is action. Uh Now we're going to do it. Just that's it. Now we're doing the behavior change. Now we're actively engaged in whatever new behavior we've uh, contemplated and planned about. Mm -hmm. And from a clinical perspective, this is, I think, where so much of our health coaching comes into play, right? Mm, Because this is where like the handholding comes in. This is where the check-ins, this is where all that support really makes a big difference because it keeps them honest and it keeps them on that path. Um, There's not as much that you need to do as far as like raising doubt, asking questions or providing tools, even though, you know, additional tools, if you think of one would be helpful. This is just where you're checking in, seeing how it's going, being there for them. And it's not just a lot of that reaffirmation and health coaching. Some of it is actually revisiting and reevaluating the plan to see if it's working. Right? Sure. Yeah, because absolutely. You have to plan for some minor lapses. You have to plan and understand that sometimes midstream things might not be working out and you need to reevaluate and change the plan. That's all part of it is staying agile, staying uh, fluid with the, the best way to support this behavior change. That's right. And also showing them how to be held accountable. 
right? To keep them along this pu- this plan that you've outlined, reevaluating, reaffirming, and you're right, just being a health coach. And also kind of wrapped up in this stage mm-hmm. is the concept of relapse, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And just one little thing about relapse, you know, it's it's tricky to support somebody through relapse, but it's really important to identify what the triggers were, what the things, what the overall situation was that led to the relapse. What was the thought process? What was the actual physical situation? What was, what was every, what was all the context around relapse and how do we integrate that then into the plan moving forward so that we're less likely to approach relapse, right? You're sort of building in more structure into the plan by understanding what you can about that, what caused relapse. Because all of those triggers then need to be understood in order to move into the final phase of behavior change, which is maintenance and, and understanding that by this point, once you've understood all of those triggers for potential relapse, now you have a new behavior that replaces an old and that's the maintenance part of that. And that's the goal of all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And so at that point, um, sure, you're assisting them through, you're really kind of getting them back to pre-contemplation for the next behavior change because you have replaced it. And so maybe you're saying, okay, well, now let's talk about how we can improve this behavior that we just implemented. How do we make it better? How do we make it stronger? Are there? Have you thought about going from two days a week exercising to four days a week exercising, right? So then you can see how the cycle starts all over again with the next uh, positive health change. All right, so I think it's time now for your favorite part of the show jingle time because it's question of the day you always shake your head at this one I mean, you do this on purpose just i don't to make me crazy i would not do that you absolutely would and are doing it <laughs> look honest to god my finger slipped <laughs> honest to god okay butterfingers well the question of the day is around the trans theoretical model That's the wrong button. It's never the wrong button. Oh, okay. Well, we know that these are some pretty basic stages, right? And behavior is fairly complex. There are some papers that are published that kind of speak to a critique of this model. So what are some critiques to the trans-theoretical model? Well, I just would say in general that this is it's what makes it a model, right? doesn't mean that every single person is going to fit into this. I think one of the issues that people run into is like you can kind of people can enter and exit at any stage uh, where like they can go from pre-contemplation to action. They can go from right. It doesn't have to be sequential. It's more so this is an idea that helps understand how the, this, the important steps for behavior change. And a lot of people will go sequentially. Mm-hmm. And some people won't. Like, it, not everyone's going to fit in perfectly into a model. That's why it's called a model, right? Okay, fair. So, much like everything in functional medicine, it depends. Oh, geez. So, everyone, just step back. Let's not critique this. It's really just a way to meet your pa- your patients where they're at to help with long-term behavior change. I mean, you can critique it all you want. Just don't email podcast at gdx.net <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I mean, email us. Just... Don't I, don't critique the the model. I like the model. Well, I think we it's didn't a good write model. the model. We're right. just reporting about exactly. the model. We're educating. So I wouldn't take it personally, even if they emailed us. I I mean, I wouldn't take it personally. All right. Maybe I would. <laughs> you probably would. I probably would. You're right. <laughs> 
Next time on The Lab Report, we talk to Naveen Hediarachi, Director of Health, Wellness, and Performance for the Washington Wizards. Oh my gosh, that's really impressive. I know. We're bringing functional medicine into professional sports people. Pumped. Wow. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Well, listen, Butterfingers, not only did you hit the wrong jingle, but you also hit the gong where you should have hit a different button. I've been meaning to work the gong in for a while. But I think the gong should be used for something really profound. But we never say anything really profound. Or is everything we say profound? I don't think so.